rescue op, save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? And in this minute we're talking about this minute. And this week we're talking about number 14 of Fallen Kingdom. Before we get to that, David, heading over to Jurassic-Pedia.com, we've got an article up here by Trenosaur TJ on the film's villain. Uh, one of the film's villain, or the main big bags, <laughs> Eli Mills, gets introduced in this minute. We can probably wait until the end of the film where we rank him alongside the other villains we've seen so far, mm-hmm. the Hoskins, the Ludlows. Um, definitely the youngest villain. I would say, being in his mid-30s, I think. I'd have to look down at the article. <laughs> uh, 88, yeah, so mid, mid-30s. Yeah, sorry, just reading the article. <laughs> uh, so again, like the other characters we've looked at, we've got the biography here, um, the full his full role in the, uh, in the movie here. Uh, unfortunately, doesn't survive the movie, so not coming back for Dominion. <laughs> uh, not even named in Dominion, so no legacy there either. His involvement with Lockwood, the Lockwood Foundation and uh, Lockwood Estate and all that sort of stuff as well. So uh, a good good long read here. A little bit of a, a write-up with his involvement with Hoskins and the Ibris Project as well. So that uh, starts to bleed in some of the things we didn't quite know what was going in going on in for, uh, Jurassic World with uh, Wu, with the whole hybrid program, um, and then later where Wu was evacuated to. By, uh, by the mercenaries, so a good little write-up on Mills. Uh, I was going to bring up his uh, uh, Rafe Spall's IMDb, but I had to look through and didn't recognise anything, so I didn't think it was really going to be <laughs> worth it. <laughs> it's, I know I know a lot of people have issues with, say, your Star Wars and that when they cast well-known or, um, yeah, well-known actors to play. I, I just love the films when you have these... I'm not going to say nobodies, but they're just people I've never seen before. The same with Zia and Franklin. Um, Claire I'd only seen in uh, Terminator Salvation. So, again, just unlike Chris Pratt, you haven't got the Star-Lord baggage. <laughs> you just This is the only thing you've seen the actors in, so this is you're not expecting things from other films to bleed in or, or what have you. So, again, we've got our bad guy here. Didn't know him from anything else, so we'll... Uh, Pay attention as we move through the minutes and uh, see how good a job he does. Yeah. So for articles on Eli Mills, uh, we're going to touch on Ted Levine in a little bit as well. Um, head over to Jurassic-Pedia.com for uh, that and many more articles. Hello, Claire. I'm, uh, I'm Eli Mills. I work for Ben Lockwood. We actually met once seven, eight years ago, and you don't remember. Of course I remember. Haven't you run his foundation since... Since college, yeah. You, you remember? Yes! Wow, cool. <laughs> he, uh, he wanted someone young and uh, idealistic to spend his fortune, and I used to be both. <laughs> Dave, ready to jump into Minute 14? I am. All right, Minute 14 of Fallen Kingdom opens with Mills misreading the script. It ends with Mills telling Claire that there's something Mr. Lockwood wants her to do. Uh, as we continue from Minute 13 of Fallen Kingdom, um, we had the little ad-lib from Mills, and uh, and he continues describing Hammond as the father of Jurassic Park, which I'd hope Lockwood explains in later minutes, but doesn't really. We know Mills is going to say this minute that uh, he and Lockwood 
uh, that Hammond and Lockwood first extracted their first bit of DNA in the sublabs of of the mansion. Um, it's just weird that uh, Mills doesn't say one of the fathers of Jurassic Park. Like, just, again, you've got Lockwood in this movie, but Lockwood's not really been included in the history here. Well, interestingly enough, Lockwood seems to almost get out of the game even before Jurassic Park becomes a thing. Like, he was aware that that was what Hammond wanted as the end game, and even so much as had, like, that scale modeling and stuff. But, like, he, like the... um visitor center is not the finished visitor center that we see in the movie and everything about Lockwood seems like he was there for more the cloning than he was specifically the park Hmm. like the park seems to be more Hammond's side of the idea whereas Lockwood was there more for the cloning side well that would make sense as to why Henry comes back to here if if but then you sort of it's it's hard when you have the original novel, um, you have InGen the, the creation of InGen and Irvin Nelson at the time. There's no there's no Lockwood because Fallen Kingdom doesn't exist, and they're trying to retcon Lockwood back into that early the early days of InGen. If InGen were even involved in at the point where this lab's built and they start cloning, there's got to be something something else that he goes to not only to keep profits up but we know Charlotte Lockwood is here in this lab in the 2000s doing god knows what eventually cloning herself and doing the research on herself but again there's something something's got to be done there to keep the lab going yeah (laughs) again something that's never never really explained well it seemed from Mills's explanation that the uh, lab kind of fell into disruin when uh, the split happened, and that Lockwood seemed more content to just forget the forget about the whole thing until his daughter died. Then um, Hammond uh, seemed to be the one that continued the dream without Lockwood. Mm. Well, it also makes sense why. No, not really. It's Injun again. <laughs> oh, it's a mess. Um. I'd, I'd assumed it was financial. Maybe Lockwood was adding a, a few extra zeros to the checks and that to help out. And that's why, if you're one of the biggest investors, and yeah, you're going to have a model of the park and that sort of stuff here of how much of a dinosaur nut he is, obviously, because the mansion's still set up as a <laughs> as a paleontology museum, pretty much. Don't know, don't know. <laughs> but he Mills walks down the stairs, taking off his glasses, introducing himself as Eli Mills, and that he works for Ben Lockwood. Um, again, sort of showing a little bit of that, that younger, younger personality there, calling him Ben Lockwood and not his real long, uh, like full name, like uh, mm-hmm. older people would. The two had met seven years earlier, um, and someone thought that uh, would have been a great place to set a new novel. I have not read the Evolution of Claire. Have you? I've I read like half of it and got bored. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly a pre. It's like as far as I could tell, a prequel to Jurassic World and not so much like any kind of sequel. Yeah, well, the seven years would have put it their meeting before uh, before Jurassic World. I know there is a section in there where Claire and Mills meet. Can you remember anything? <laughs> I, 
Um, I've got no intention of reading it. So I don't as know. far as I know, Mills doesn't even make an appearance. Like the, uh, it's most, it's all about Claire's first time on the island and everything. And apparently, Masrani had paid off a previous intern's family who had who had gotten left behind on the island when they were first during doing construction. And uh, Velociraptor apparently escaped and killed them. All right, we'll leave yeah. evolution of Claire aside then. Um, so basically, this minute's got two big exposition info dumps. Um, first one here: for Mills um, learning that Mills ran Lockwood's foundation since college. Lockwood wanted someone young and idyllic to spend his fortune. It's it's sort of weird. I'll like even if Mills is sort of in his late thirties now. Assumably, he would have went to college to do some sort of business business degree or something like that, you'd think. So he's probably been at it for 10, 10 to 15 years, mm-hmm. spending spending the old man's money. Um, a bit of a bit of a weird uh, partnership. Well, I looked at Rafi Spall's uh, age, and he's 39 now, so he would have been about um, 35 when this came out. So, yeah, mid-30s would make sense. Yeah, okay, yep. But dream job. Living this, living this sweet pad. Um, hopefully, it's got good Wi-Fi, and um, and spend money for the old man. You did. It probably wouldn't be the best job if you didn't like dinosaurs or anything like that, because you're surrounded by all this stuff every day. <laughs> Mills kind of comes across as the guy who he likes Mills. He's going to do what's best for Mills, even if it means screwing an old man out of his money. <laughs> Well, you can guarantee there's a he's got a garage at the back with his favorite cars in it or mm. movie room, theater room or whatever. Like, yeah, he's looking after himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of which, the car that Claire arrived in is called the vanity plate says Lock One or what? Or what was it? No, it was Lock Two or something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was definitely Lockwood's car that he sent for her. Yep. Yeah, Lock One. I miss that. But Mills leads Claire into the main hall, um, although it's described as a library in the novelization. So um, we know the upper part it's a library anyway, but down the bottom has all the uh, all the dioramas and that, that we get to see later. But uh, dioramas, museum skeletons, this is a nice pad. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> I wouldn't mind this being my library. I just I know how much dust my house gets in it um <laughs> poor old iris would need a team of 20 cleaners just to keep all this polished timber and <laughs> I, I imagine she probably did because like there's no dust that you can even see on this diorama here like it's been polished the all the like the whole thing is just very clean i'm sure i i in terms of uh, the staffing, Iris is probably in charge of a whole um, team of maids and servants. <laughs> this may be a thought for the end of the film where we have the Indoraptor running around, but maybe um, maybe it's uh, the team of cleaners running around picking up the bodies and cleaning. They've been they've been scolded for having someone walk through the house with muddy boots before, and they're um, they're there to clean no matter what the risk. <laughs> But uh, as Mills leads Claire into the hall, uh, here's the start of uh, another big info dump with the backstory. Um, 
This is where it all began, before the islands, sauna, Jurassic Park, all of it. Heaven and Lockwood built a custom lab in the sub-basement and extracted the first DNA from amber right beneath our feet, which, again, we've, we've sort of touched on what the partnership was and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's sort of... The lab can go against everything. We've learnt from the novels and early. We know... Uh, InGen went to Costa Rica to get away from the regulations and the rules um, of the US anyway. Um, that's why we have in the novel the whole bison um, rabies incident in Chile where bison goes to Chile and releases rabies on a farm to test it because they can, really. Not doing it on the US. The people on the farm don't know any different. But I suppose we could say, right, well, Lockwood and Hammond here, they extracting the first DNA, testing the science before creating InGen and then looking for larger, um, a larger location to continue the research and make their dinosaurs because we know there's cages in that here, but I don't think these cages would have been used early on for animals. Honestly, I mean, like, they have those kennels that are down there, so I imagine that they probably did. Mm. Well, then it goes back to the whole... uh, I think the novel again, or might no, it might be Trespasser Law, the uh, the baby raptor, showing off the baby raptor to investors and that. Uh, I think it was Trespasser where it was the baby raptor, and they went with Triceratops on the um and the Masrani or not Masrani, it was like the Masrani back door I think that had said Triceratops was the first cloned dinosaur in 1985 or something like that, 86. But yeah, and um, the, that I know came from concept art of uh, Crash Recurries that showed a baby Triceratops in the egg instead of the baby raptor. Mm, yeah, true. Which then I suppose is, again, another callback to the original novel where Hammond had the, the pygmy elephant mm-hmm. like, to show that the, to the, to the, uh, the cloning was possible. Yeah, the, if I recall, it wasn't actually even a actually genetically engineered animal. It was just a pygmy elephant that they had grown in an artificial womb and purposely kept malnourished so that it wouldn't grow <laughs> very big, which mm. just turned out to kind of actually really piss it off, leaving a really bad attitude towards humans. <laughs> I would have loved when we do get down to the lab and the, the sub-levels to see a... It wouldn't be the same the same maquette, oh, maquette the uh, miniature of Jurassic Park San Diego, mm-hmm. but that makes so much more sense here now with where the where this location is in Northern California. Mm-hmm. You create the animals here, then truck them down the road to San Diego to your zoo. Yeah. Um, it's all a whole lot cheaper. We know at some point... They decide, well, no, we're going to go to Costa Rica and build a destination island resort thousands of miles from nowhere. Um, well, interestingly, they um, that the engine waterfront complex was conceptualized as being like right next to Dress Park San Diego, so they probably could have put them on the dock, shipped mm. them out from the lock from Lockwood's basement to the park right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's where the sort of timelines start getting. Uh, you said you said that baby trike was like eighty five, which would have been around the same time this lab was developed. It was only a year or two later when we start getting 
construction on sauna. So either they, they learnt that uh, the, this lab under Lockwood Manor was not going to be big enough to house the animals or they just wanted to gain that, that secrecy and seclusion of um, being on the islands. But at some point there, mid-80s, towards the end of the 80s, that um, production blew up <laughs> blew up for them. Mm-hmm. They were going from doing a small small clutch of eggs to what we get on sauna with the full full uh full lab and hatchery mm-hmm. well and we don't even know what how much trial and error they went through with getting that first live birth in the novel it seems it's made implied in the lost world novel that it would take dozens of batches to get a live to get a single live birth and that doesn't even guarantee that it grows up healthy one in 100 eggs would have a successful hatchling. Yeah, Malcolm says in the novel, and which is again that's that's what that's what he's saying. The whole thing in that novel mm-hmm. is Jurassic Park was too clean. There should have been eggs, and that just didn't suit the production to get enough mm-hmm. um, to get a population of dinosaurs to fill the park. Well, that's what why they ended up needing uh, Sorna. So it's possible that Hammond realized that. It just wouldn't have been viable doing this out of a basement, and that they would re- they would need in order to sock the park to the hundreds of animals that we are implied to exist already on the Isla Nublar. That they would need a much much larger production scale than was available to them in that little laboratory. Mm. Plus, you got to assume that Wu was spending some time in this lab as well mm-hmm. yeah they got their first they extracted their first dna sample from the amber but there's so much more involved the whole radio well, amphibian dna is the key to fill in the sequence gaps and all all that sort of stuff would have taken time and you'd assume um the three of them were all here in this this lab doing it because mm-hmm. i'm just trying to think because charlotte lockwood visited Jurassic park when she was a baby gets her she had a birthday party on sauna 12th party or something on sauna so she would have been too young to be involved in it as well mm-hmm. um by, by the time she was old enough to know what was going on it would have been well and truly sauna and nublar and if any if any further research continued down there or as you said it was just um closed off closed off and sealed up and um everything was then done off off the mainland mm-hmm. but uh Claire acts like a bit of a fangirl here and says uh, what they did here was a miracle. And after a pause, says, I still believe that. And Mills agrees um, and says he believes they can do something to help these animals. And as the minute ends, Mills tells Claire that there's something Mr. Lockwood would very much like her to do, which is sort of that weird English dialogue there <laughs> uh, that comes across. And I suppose he is an English actor, so um, you're going to impart that in here a little bit. We discussed a lot there. Um, anything else before we get into the novel, briefly? Uh, no, I think we're good. All right. Um, the meaning goes the same, but there's some extra dialogue. Uh, your park, Jurassic World, was Mr. Lockwood's favourite place, better than he and Mr. Hammond ever imagined, which this, this comes in after the, the John Hammond father of Jurassic Park. So I wonder if Lockwood had been to... Obviously, if it's his favourite place, he'd been there several times. Mm-hmm. To Jurassic World, which is something we don't get in the film at all. Uh, Claire replies, they must have been quite a team. And Mills continues, a dreamer and a philanthropist. 
damn it. A philanthropist, <laughs> limited only by imagination, um, and then he speaks in a Scottish accent. Uh, that's, well, he spoke that in a uh, Scottish accent, and he says, uh, that's my John Hammond imitation, and it's terrible. So I'm glad we didn't get him trying yeah. to do a John Hammond impersonation in the film. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that would have been awful. Mm. Which is kind of funny because Raphael Paul, like you said, is English, so it probably would have been purposely bad. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd have to go over the top. I mean, come on, something like just... uh, Groundskeeper Willie. <laughs> oh, yeah, it would have, <laughs> it would have too. <laughs> I can see it now. Um, but that's it for null comparisons, and that's it for minute fourteen. Uh, Dave, bit of a longer record but there was a bit more there to talk about but uh how about we get out of here for the weekend uh, we'll be back next week with minute 15 all right sounds good all right lovely i was gonna say that t-rex and spinosaurus are natural enemies like t-rex and raptors and t-rex and triceratops and t in t-rex and t-rex damn t-rex they ruined the mastectin <laughs> <laughs> Akmashak! <laughs> you T Rex sure are contentious dinosaurs. You just made an enemy fall alive. Uh, it's probably a good thing we don't try and do accents on that. <laughs> <laughs>